Hey, everybody. I'm Mike Reno from Loverboy. Hi, this is Joe Tatriani. Hey, I am Brandy Rhodes. Hey, I'm UFC fighter C.B. Dalloway. Clay Milliken, driver of the Parks Plus. Great Clips, Top Fuel Dragster. What's up, world? This is your favorite comic, favorite comic, Tony Rock. Hey, guys. This is Kendra Sunderland, Vixen Angel of the Year. Hey, this is Jimmy Chamberlain. Hey, it's your boy J-Rock from Sunnyvale Trailer Park. You know I'm Sierra Era Egger. And you listen to my boy T-Biscuit on the Toddcast Podcast. I'm out like I sold something. The Toddcast Podcast is brought to you by Maple Ridge Hyundai. Part of a Cot Auto Group. We sell cars. Now, here's your host, Todd Hancock. I'll tell you what, I will never understand social media. And it's not because it's something that's foreign to me. It's been a constant in my life since the internet fired up. Back to my radio days at CFOX, I remember being in meetings where management was asking the air staff, the promo department, should we make a website? Are people actually going to go there and use it? Aren't they coming to us on the radio? No kidding, this was literally said in a brainstorming meeting. Now granted, this was back in the early 2000s, but still, my point is, I've been around social media since it started. And one of the reasons why I'll never quite understand it is when somebody follows you online and you follow them back, interact a little bit, and then one day, poof, they vanished, they're gone. They've unfollowed you. Why? Your guess is as good as mine. Been getting a fair amount of that lately and not sure if that's an anomaly because we haven't really changed the way we operate. We push the hell out of most of the stuff that we do online and you have to. It's a fast-paced world, social media. Get your stuff out there for people to see. Maybe they click the link of your post. Maybe they share your stuff or maybe you're noticing the same thing. Like, I don't care if some random unfollows. There's really no relationship there. I don't follow everybody back. But when there's a radio industry person who unfollows, especially if I've worked with them at some point over the years, that shit grinds me. Just recently, a guy I worked with in the industry for years at CFOX unfollowed me. So I called him out on Twitter. He was like, oh, don't be mean. Because being that they're in the industry, knowing the metrics and analytics, the importance of reach and impressions, engagement, how algorithms work, saying that they support what you're doing, then unfollowing, is that support? That's not a supporter. That's a fair-weathered friend at best. Not necessarily a take-the-knife-out-of-my-back friend, but they ain't your supporter either. And rant. Thankfully, social media, for the most part, is fun. Gotta say, it was pretty cool to see Montreal Alouette Safety Boseco Low Combo start following us probably right around the start of summer, maybe a bit earlier than that. Took a bit of time to realize, maybe he'd liked a few posts, maybe he'd commented on something. So I followed him back. About a month later, I said, hey, do you want to be a guest? And he said, you know what? Sure. Once the season starts up, once we're underway, let's do it. So I reached out again, maybe about a month, month and a half ago. You'll hear 10 minutes of that conversation in this week's podcast. Joining Boseco is author, producer, and almost supermodel Leslie Berkland. You're going to love our chat. She's a great follow online, a firecracker. And big rec singer Ian Thornley called up to talk about the new album and a bunch more, which you'll hear some of that interview in just a sec. Coming up in a few minutes in Stop Me If You've Heard This Before, retired WWE superstar Diamond Dallas Page, DDP, talking about starting his wrestling career at the age of 35. That is brought to you by ProTech Welding, good friends on the North Shore here in Vancouver, Steel Fabrication. You can find them through ProTechWelding.com. First, let's get to that first guest of three. This week's musical guest, as mentioned, big rec singer Ian Thornley. That's brought to you by the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe, 579 Dunsmuir. 
downtown Vancouver. A big rack's been on the Canadian rock scene since 1994, a staple of any good rock station since their arrival. Although if you're a fan, you'll know that they broke up in 2002, they reformed in 2010, and during their hiatus, let's say, Ian formed the band Thornley. They toured as well, just a ton, released a bunch of music, uh, some really great stuff out of that camp. A couple years after reuniting, they released their third album called Albatross, then Ghosts in 2014, Grace Street in 2017, and But For The Sun this year. They've certainly been busy since getting back to it. You may remember last year in 2018, Big Rec did a 35-date North American tour. This was celebrating the 20th anniversary of their awesome album, In Loving Memory Of, where they played the album in its entirety. This year has been a tough one for the band, as they announced on June 5th, 2019, guitarist Brian Doherty died of cancer. Just a few months later, they released their new album, again called But For The Sun. This conversation you're about to hear happened before Brian died, right around the time that they released the album's first single, Locomotive. You can hear the full talk right now at our iTunes podcast page. Always great to catch up with Ian, easily one of the nicest guys in rock, always super accommodating, tells great stories. Search out that conversation through Toddcast Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. In the meantime, here's 10 minutes with Big Rex Singer, Ian Thornley. The Toddcast Podcast. What are some of your earliest musical memories? Ooh. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, my, my parents played records constantly. Um, if they, my mom was, was usually playing Super Tramp. Right. Um, and my dad was usually playing Bruce Springsteen. So that that, that would, you know, and then there was... Uh, a ton of Coburn and, and, you know, sort of folkier things of when I was coming up. Um, but yeah, I would have to be those two, you know, those two stood out. And then, and then of course, uh, the soundtrack to Clockwork Orange was always on. Oh. Um, cause I, I had an older brother who was uh, obsessed with that. And I think still is. Um, and it's, it's just all, uh, I think it's just Beethoven's music, but it's all done on, on Moog synthesizers, if you haven't heard it. But, mm. uh, yeah, they, that, that was always on as well. Um, but I couldn't pick just one. I, I couldn't. No, no, no. I wouldn't remember. And so from Supertramp, which is the better record, Crime or Breakfast? Oh, I couldn't. Yeah, there's no, I mean, I, I love all of it. I, even in the quietest moments, I, I think it's great as well. Yeah. Um, and I love Crisis, What Crisis. I, I love, like, those, I think those four um, are just incredible. Um, I, I can hear, I can hear what they're, I can hear the detail and the amount of work that went in. Um, and for someone like, like me, I, I love all different kinds of music. And when I can hear something that was just off the cuff and, um, just throw up some mics and capture the moment. Uh, and it's great. I, I love that as well. But, um, you know, sometimes I, I really need to put something on where I can hear the detail, you know, and I can hear how much time was spent getting things just so. Mm-hmm. Um, especially back in the day when, when it was, you know, to 16 or, or 24 tracks of tape. That's, yeah, I, I just, I love that stuff, man. I really do. I'm, I'm heavily influenced by, by Super Tramp. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that in band. many ways yeah 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 I can't remember if I asked you this before but what was your first concert Springsteen 
Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Springsteen. Um, and there was a couple that my, my dad brought us down to the C&E um, right. back when the, the, the exhibition, the, the, the stadium there, uh, they used to have the big shows down there. And when did you pick up a guitar and kind of like really decide that path? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I came late to guitar. I must have been 16 when I got one, and then hmm. I, I just, it just sat, it sat in my closet for a long time. Wow. Um, and then I had a friend who was a, who was a, I befriended a guy over the summer who would become, uh, you know, we'd become close, and, and he was a great guitar player. And he was like, oh, you got a guitar in your closet. Um, so he sort of tuned it up, and, and, and then, uh, you know, I started realizing that uh, most of the music I was listening to at the time was, if not written, certainly played on a guitar, and, and then it was like, wow, this is, you know, it really, it just spoke to me at that time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, uh, you know, I, I haven't put it down since. <laughs> Quite literally, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh. When I mentioned on social media that you were coming on to be a guest again, of course, a lot of uh, Big Rec fan questions, and I want to get to those now. Broads has a couple questions for you. He writes, after recording Grace Street with Garth, how did Ian and the band approach recording this new record? Um, we, wanted, uh, we wanted this one to be um, a little more raw, um, a little more rock and roll. Um, I think uh, that the album that we did with Garth was uh, was, a, was a heavy undertaking. You know, there was a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on in my life personally that uh, that I think made its way into the music. Um, and I was working through a lot of stuff, and, and Garth was was amazing at uh, helping me through it and guiding me through it, and, and then and channeling a lot of it into the music. Um, but I wouldn't say that it sounds like a fun record. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on there, which I, which I adore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I think I just, I, I think I wanted to, I, and I think I speak for the band. I think we wanted to, we wanted to have something that was, was fun and, and rock and roll and, and sort of a heartfelt guitar driven sort of, you know, um, not throw away by any stretch, but but just you know, um, capturing performances more than than trying to perfect things, um, you know. Uh, but yeah, I guess that was the sort of we didn't really have a mission statement. I think Rats and I just went in and started putting right up from a huge treasure trove of riffs and songs and ideas. Uh, we just started picking things that we thought would be fun to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then very much, you know, in a, we recorded it very quickly and simply and, and, you know, sort of a very live kind of feel. Um, yeah, the demo process was quick and, you know, it just, there, there is a freshness to, uh, I find, to, to working quickly. You know, there, you can get, uh, you can really capture something without over overdoing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I run the risk of, of overdoing things. So yeah, yeah that was one of the, one of the things we wanted to concentrate on was, was just keeping it, uh, keeping it simple, even though a lot of the stuff isn't necessarily simple, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, totally. After listening to the record this weekend, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, Steve asks, which bands are in your top five? Oh, 
That's a tough one. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of top five lists because um, I'll always leave someone out. The police, the, the police have oh, to be up there. What a great band! Holy crap! Man. They were like on another plane as a kid. Like I remember thinking of those guys when I was yeah. in elementary school. Like they were just a a step above everybody else. Yeah, just monsters. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the the police queen. Great band. Uh, have you seen the queen? Uh, uh, what is it called? The, the Bohemian I watched it, Rhapsody. Yeah, I watched it a couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought he did a great job. The uh, Remy, uh, amazing. Uh, I he, yeah, yeah. It was, and he had the, the sort of the body language, and the you know he really did did Freddie justice. Um, yeah, I, I, enough just to you know I've been a huge fan of of them for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I actually remember when I was a kid watching the watching that Live Aid performance mm. and just being bowled over by by Queen's performance in particular, and then the Dire Straits one as well. I just, I was mesmerized by, by Knopfler's guitar playing. But yeah, that was, a, that was a big moment. Genesis is a big one for me. Um, huge Phil Collins fan. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know why he gets a bad rap by anybody. Um, Bowie's huge for me. Uh, obviously, the, the Zeppelin and, and Floyd and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the rest of the obvious ones that are, the Beatles, you right. know, I can eat. And now the, imagine having to hack somebody out to get into a top five, like, what? Yeah, no, it's it, not going to happen. Impossible. But who? Like, give me, the, you know, give right. me a break. There's, there's no, <laughs> you know, Springsteen has to be in there. <laughs> yeah, there's lots. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not possible. All right, let me, let me toss you up a, a lob ball here. Karen says, which shows are you currently binge watching? Uh, well, I, my partner and I recently just finished it was revisiting for me, but it was her first time watching The Wire. I, I went back and, and took down that over, I guess, over the holidays and then into maybe a couple of weeks ago we finished that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're kind of hard up. <laughs> mm. It's just like, okay, well, you know, you sort of start getting ready for bed and you want to put something on and uh, we're like, well, what do we mean? You know, there's nothing. So I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. Mm, uh, I just started up. Are you a fan of uh, like superheroes and stuff? Not really, man. I, okay. I, I have a kind of a hard time. It's a bit over overdone. You gonna say the Punisher one? No, no, no. I didn't like the Punisher one at all, actually. Uh, no, I was gonna say the yeah. Umbrella Academy. Never heard of it. I, I'd never heard of it either, yeah. and uh, it's really good, man. I mean, it's not nece- I mean, it is a superhero, but it's not a superhero. If that makes any sort of sense, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin yeah. it. But yeah, it's really good. The the Umbrella Academy is what I'm watching right now. Right, it's good. It's good. Suggestions, man. I'll be checking it out. Let me hit you with uh, Darren's. Do you believe that aliens have visited Earth? I don't know, man. You know, um, if if they have, then they obviously didn't want us to know about it. So who cares? You know, Um, I don't get caught up in in things like that, hypotheticals, and and well, is there proof? Or you know, I don't. I think it's silly. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm sort of fascinated with things that are, uh, I love history and I'm a, I'm a bit of a history buff and, um, yeah, there's not a lot of stuff about, uh, <laughs> about alien, alien, uh, I mean, there, there are theories that, that a lot of, uh, the structures like the, the, the pyramids, pyramids and things and like that, where sure. I, I don't, I don't buy, I don't buy any of that. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to say one way or the other, but 
<laughs> who knows, man? There's plenty of people that I'm convinced they're aliens, but <laughs> they might just uh, be un uncomfortable in their own skin, not necessarily wearing human skin. You know? Musical guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe. Check them out at 579 Dunsmere, downtown Vancouver.
now, stop me if you've heard this before on the Toddcast Podcast. If you're a fan of professional wrestling, the name Diamond Dallas Page is one of the most celebrated all time. No question. He got into the business in 1988 as a manager in the American Wrestling Association. He was there for less than a year. Then he signed with WCW, the World Championship Wrestling, eventually becoming a wrestler in 1991. More on that in a sec. Over a decade in WCW, DDP was a three-time world heavyweight champion, a two-time U.S. heavyweight champ, a four-time tag team champ, and a one-time world TV champion, easily one of the biggest and best over the years, eventually transitioning to the WWE after WCW sold. DDP was a one-time WWF European champion, a one-time WWF tag team champ, and was inducted into their Hall of Fame in 2017. When DDP called up the podcast, we talked about his WWE career blowing up in 1996, the music that he's into and his first concert experience, how it was transitioning from a wrestling superstar to being a yoga instructor. His DDP yoga is absolutely huge and super inspiring. He talked about Jake the Snake Roberts' career, the TV shows that he was binge-watching at the time, and stop me if you've heard this before, DDP talked about starting wrestling at the age of 35. Imagine that. And you start wrestling at 35. You know, and mainly I came in as a, I tried it when I was 22 and it didn't work out for me. And then I came back at 31 to managing in the AWA. And if you knew how that all came together, I mean, that's a movie in itself. And how I ended up being, ended up on ESPN my first day in professional wrestling, managing Bad Company, the World Tag Team Champions. Mm -hmm. And for the next three and a half years, between Florida Championship Wrestling, the AWA, and a bunch of independents, I tried to get that, you know, big break to get to the show. And the show was always, to me, the WWF and the WCW. Either one is the show. You know, of course, the WWE... Back in the day, they were the only, you know, they were top. But WCW, Turner Broadcasting, that was just as good. Um, and um, trying to get there and then finally getting there, mainly because of Dusty Rhodes, who, who became a mentor and best friend to me mm. uh, in Florida Championship Wrestling and brought me into WCW after five months of managing the Freebirds and creating Scott Hall's gimmick. Um, as a diamond stud, which later would become Razor Ramon. And he'll, he'll tell everybody and anybody, I came up with everything from the black hair to the, the brush cut to the toothpick, everything. It is all brand. And, uh, yeah, A to Z, but it completely changed the guy who was blonde hair and a walrus mustache. Right. Who looked like a jacked up Tom Selleck. He <laughs> was a completely different guy. Sure. Who now could actually work really well. You know, I mean, Scott was a great worker, and he just got better and better and better. You know, doing that and getting the break to come to WCW, and I finally got to the show. And then because of the hair and the diamonds and the rap and the dolls, the diamond dolls, I mean, no one's paying attention to the wrestler. You know, like, it's crazy, but I was too over the top for wrestling. You know, as a manager. Yeah. But not as a wrestler. Magnum T.A. said, you know, they, you know, we should have given you a pair of tights and boots and seen if you could do this. I had seven months left of my contract. 
I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I never got in this business to want to be a manager. Even not not in the beginning, at the end maybe. Sure. But I didn't I mean I wanted to wrestle. Stop me if you've heard this before on the Toddcast Podcast is brought to you by ProTech Welding, a CWB certified steel fabrication shop in North Vancouver, and online at ProTechWelding.com. I'm coming home. Drive all night Red Rider 
they are Chase the Bear and a strong song for them called Home. You can catch them playing a show in Vancouver this Thursday, in fact. A Halloween bash at the Wise Hall in East Vancouver. This is a great show. Brass Camel, Chase the Bear, Rain City, and Bad Magic. And played you the headliner of next month's podcast show, Friday, November 29th at the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe. It's the Toddcast Podcast, Friday Nights, Volume 28, with Southern Death Threat. The original lineup is reforming for this show. Crankshaft and Closer will be the opening bands of the night. Tickets are eight bucks right now. Get them through myshowpass.com. It's 10 bucks. It's still inexpensive if you wait for the door. Show starts at nine o'clock. And of course we will go late. We go to about one, one thirty, two o'clock with these shows. That show is going to absolutely rule. And speaking of live shows, you can find info on that show, the one prior and a bunch more through the indie scene at toddhancock.ca. There's a, a bunch of great shows coming up and make sure, of course, get out there, support our local bands here in Vancouver. That's brought to you by Mystic Rhythms Rehearsal Studios. 40 plus years experience in the music industry. You can find details about them through mysticrhythms.ca. Coming up later on in the podcast, in listen to this, Vice journalist David Bienenstock talks about Cheech and Chong and their place in weed history. It's powered by Tedco RV Supplies out in Langley. RV repair service, ICBC accredited. You can find them online through Tedco RV Supplies Inc. First, the second of three Toddcast guests this week is our sporting guest, a linebacker for the Montreal Alouettes, number 20, Boseco Locombo. That's brought to you by the Pooch App, an international network of dog owners. Find dog-friendly parks and set up doggy dates, get help locating a lost pup, and a bunch more. You can join the pack through pooch.pet. Now, while you know Boseco Locombo as part of the Montreal Alouettes, he has played for the BC Lions as well. He was in the NFL for a while too, played with the Baltimore Ravens, with the Orlando Raiders, the San Francisco 49ers. Bo was raised in Abbotsford, or is that Abbotsford? It's Abbotsford. Has crushing numbers. As a senior, he had 47 tackles, four interceptions. He ran for over 1,500 yards on 107 carries, had 22 touchdowns, caught 37 passes for 728 yards. Kid is a stud. He was ranked as the best player for players eligible in the 2013 CFL draft. A good talk with one of the CFL's best linebackers. The full conversation, definitely worth checking out. You can search it out again through iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud, Toddcast Podcast. Till you hear that, here's 10 minutes with Montreal Alouette Safety, Boseco Locombo. The Toddcast Podcast. What is your very first memory of football? My very first memory of football? Um, I would have to say when I first started playing, when I was 14 years old, in grade 8, back in uh, Gordy Howe. Sorry, it wasn't Gordy Howe. It was Chief Dan George in Abbotsford. Right. I played... I remember the first time I ever I put a helmet on. I was 14. I didn't know anything about football. And coach at the time gave me a helmet twice my size, like too big. <laughs> and uh, just like putting on the pads and playing a, a position that I never even heard of, which was playing tight end. Those were like the, the first few memories of starting off, you know, starting out playing football. And this was a long time ago, you know, 14, I'm 14, I'm 28 now. So you're, you're, you're 14, uh, you know, for your first memory, how old are you when you realize like, man, I could, I could make a go of this. I, I you know, maybe I'm good enough to go pro. I think it was 
when I was in grade 10, when I was playing with the varsity team, I realized I, re- I really have a chance to, to go far in this sport. And that, you know, that made me um, put more time into it, invest more time and stuff like that. And so. Mm-hmm. And when you look back on your career with, of course you played in both, you played in the NFL and now in the CFL. When you yeah. look back at your, your time with the BC Lions, what are some of the standout key moments for you? For me, it was playing at home, you know, being at home and uh, being able to play in front of my family and friends, being able to learn the CFL game, because at the time I didn't really know CFL that well. You know, playing in BC in high school, you um, we play American rules, you know, we play Four down football, right? And um, and that's the game I learned growing up, all the way up until playing with BC. That my first year, 20, 2014 was my first year, and I came in with the Lions. I signed late yeah, in September eighth was my was uh, the day I signed, which was like halfway through the season. Yeah, and uh, just uh, you know, learning the game, the CFL game uh, was it was new to me. You know, despite being Canadian, it was. Well, especially if you're not being taught it in school, is it harder in the CFL with the less downs? Yeah, I think it is harder. I think the CFL game is a lot harder than the the NFL. Mm -hmm. And you play with the Ravens, you play with the Raiders, you play with the 49ers. What are some of the, what are your key standout moments from the NFL? I mean, with the NFL, um, just how much more, um, how much, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's not really. I tell you what. I'll tell you what. It's not. I know in the NFL, you know, they talk about like the guys are bigger and the game is faster. Yes, the guys are bigger in the NFL, but the game really is the same speed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like you have a guy chucking the ball and you know people trying yeah. to make plays. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's not that much bigger. I think it's a little bit slower, actually. Really, like um, if I really think about the four down, you know, that, that extra down doesn't make a difference. Um, you go against guys who are a little bit faster, um, a little bit more athletic, but it's, it's you know, in the, in the States, it's, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys start playing football at a really young age, pop Warner football. And mm-hmm. just, it's just in that way it's different. But as far as just like when we get to the next level, it's all the same. Right, right. Hey, I wonder if they would ever consider doing something like an interleague uh, play, like when you, you know, the winner of the Grey Cup, they take on the winner of the NFL and the, the, the Super Bowl. I wonder if they'd ever do something like that. Man, that would be awesome. That actually would be pretty cool to, to, just to see, um, just to watch that game. I mean, I, I feel like it, it, would be, <laughs> it would be a pretty fun game to play. But my question is with that is would they play, would we play, Canadian rules, like Canadian football, it'd have to be American, right? They, well, they cry about it if they if they didn't have it out. They would be like, "Well, we want a four. Wouldn't the CFL do? Wouldn't those guys do even better with four downs? I think so. I don't know. I think, man, so, I think yeah. so too. I think so too. Yeah. 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 All right, Bo. I'd yeah. love I'd love to get outside of uh, football. Of course, what you're known for. I'm yeah. curious when you're finding time to binge watch. What are you binge watching lately? What do I binge watch? Um, I'm I'm really on um a little bit of everything. I mean, maybe I've been watching Ballers, the show Ballers. It's a pretty good show. Um, with this the one with the Rock. Yeah. Um, I used to watch. Um, I used to. I mean, lately, as of late, I haven't really had time to watch a lot of TVs like that. Right. Of like course. that. 
But I, I used to watch like shows like Mad Men. Yeah. Like, way back in the day, I used to watch Mad Men. Great show. Um, I don't know if you're if you're at a show called Animal Kingdom. Yeah, um, it rings a bell. It's like a drug dealer theme. Yeah, it's like a family. It's yeah. like a family that go and do heist and stuff like that. Yeah, I watched a I few episodes. Yeah, pretty good. That's good. That's a good yeah. show as well. Yeah. I I used to, um, I, I like watching Power. I think we're on season oh, I've heard that's four. Good. Heard that's good. I've yeah, watched Power. That. Yeah, uh, I, I heard lately, and I haven't seen it yet because I, I think it's only on HBO, and uh, I don't generally download unless you know I'm paying for it. But right. a, a show called The Boys, The Boys, and yeah. appara- apparently yeah. it's uh, all about superheroes and superpowers and and that kind of thing, like a super team. The Boys, huh? Yeah, and dude, okay. so many people are saying like that's that's the next one to watch. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I'll take that one, Todd. I'll remember that one. Yeah, yeah. There's another show that kind of reminds me of something similar called The Umbrella Academy. Yes. Have you heard of that one? Yeah, dude, that's a great yeah. show. And that, did you know that that show was created by uh, the guy from uh, My Chemical Romance, uh, Gerard Way? Oh, no. You ever heard, you, you know the uh, the band My Chemical Romance? My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Yeah, they they had some big hits maybe a, a decade back kind of thing. They had some big radio songs, uh, but yeah, apparently he's branched out into that. So interesting. Yeah, if now that we're on the the superpower thing, if you could have a superpower, which power would you want to have? If I could have a superpower, oh man, damn! I really should have thought about these questions, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'd have to say probably um, speed. Yeah, I. I I think running really fast would be a pretty cool superpower. Flash, flash speed. Right. I mean, there's so many, right? When you start to really pick into that. Yeah. I mean, it would help me tremendously in football. Just shattering records left, right, and center. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your first concert? Fifty Cent. No back way. In, Nice. Yeah, yeah. When he came, when he first came out, when he was hot back in the early 2000s. Dude, like that. Uh, what was the 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 record called? Die Trying. Mm-hmm. <sighs> amazing. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was his. That's his best work by by far, though. Yeah. He just had the off uh, single here and there that have been pretty cool, but yeah. Fifty, your first day. Eh? That's awesome. Who who else was on the bill? Oh, uh, it was just him. The G unit, really, that, that whole right. G unit. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let, let me uh, let me hit you one with uh, uh, all about uh, legalized marijuana. Of course, that just came to Canada. Uh, was it last October? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on on legalized marijuana? My thoughts on legalized marijuana. I mean, to each his own. I mean, if you if you if you feel like marijuana is something that helps you and and doesn't hurt you and doesn't hurt other people, then 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 okay then. Go for it, but you know, for me, I um, I got I have friends who smoke. I have no problems with it. I have friends who don't smoke, and I have no problems with that. You know, to each his own. Sure, yeah, I feel the same way. I I wonder. I'm curious, and I don't I don't know if you're going to know this or not, but I wonder how many uh, football players in CFL and NFL. I wonder how many are in the same um, area and arena that like MMA fighters, like UFC and Bellator and stuff, where they take CBD oils. After mm-hmm. after their their fights and and it helps recoup their body uh, quicker. I wonder how many pro athletes are like that. Probably quite a bit. I mean, I, I think CBD is helping a lot of athletes uh, with injuries and pain. Um, and I think that that's good. I mean, if it's if it's if it's there to help, then why not? Probably I'd say probably like ninety six percent. Probably a pretty high percentage. 
taking it. And it's and it's obviously if that's the case, then it's legal to to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's been your career highlight thus far? Can you pinpoint it down to one? Um, I think probably going, you know, um, having the chance to, to experience the NFL a bit. Yeah. And um, and I don't know if you knew this, but the Ravens have always been my favorite team because of one simple guy, Ray Lewis. Okay. And when I was when I signed with um, with the Ravens, we uh, um, during our regular season back in 2017, we had a game in London, and um, it was versus the Jaguars, and they did a little um, kind of community service work thing in in London, and um, Ray Lewis ended up showing up to that community service and nice. like. I um I was starstruck, you know, because I've been following him football ever since I got into football. He's he, he was my favorite player. He's been my favorite player. You know, now he's retired. You know, kind of doing his own thing. But I like I even bought his book, um, all that, all that, and to actually be in the same field as him and to see him and to talk to him, you know, what I'm saying like that was probably the highlight of my career because it was somebody I looked up to for a long time, and I shared something with him, and it just like. Yeah, it was, it was special. Sporting guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by Pooch. Download the Pooch app and join the pack online at pooch.pet.
now. Listen to this on the Toddcast Podcast. Chances are you'll know David Bienenstock, maybe without even realizing it. He's the author of How to Smoke Pot Properly. He's the creator and co-host of the Great Moments in Weed History podcast. He's a frequent contributor to Vice Magazine as well. At one point, he was the head of content at High Times Magazine. A lot of the stuff that he did there went viral. You've seen him profiled all over the place. The New Yorker, the LA Times, Rolling Stone Magazine, CNN, HBO. He's a longtime friend of the podcast, a wealth of information, and he's a great guy as well. The last time David called the podcast... We talked about the correlation between comic books and smoking marijuana, the great moments in weed history. We talked about his favorite place to vacation. The Motley Crue movie came up, binge-watching American Vandal, cooking for friends, and David talked about Cheech and Chong and their importance in marijuana's history. Listen to this. Well, I think, you know, if I was going to tell that story, wink, wink, and I don't... Mm -hmm. Coming up in our first season, right? Uh, an exciting story is how they met, which was you know up in British Columbia, uh, more like as musicians and and trying to maybe uh, do some comedy in between shows at a, a strip, more of like a burlesque. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and they were just kind of filling time while the uh, burlesque acts would change into their next, uh, you know. Uh, wardrobe change, and and that was really the birth of which became, uh, you know, some of the biggest selling albums of the 70s in any genre, not just comedy albums, uh, were a couple of those Cheech and Chong albums. So they were huge mainstream stars at a time when there weren't really a lot of people, you know, Willie Nelson being another one, uh, sure. that were repping cannabis that hard. Mm-hmm. And we go, you know, and we go way back. It's a ten thousand year history of people with cannabis. So we have stories that are thousands of years old to to dip into. Too. Listen to this on the Toddcast podcast is brought to you by Tedco RV Supplies in Langley, an ICBC approved repair shop. Find them online at tedcorvsuppliesinc.com. Crossroads where we need you pull my suspenders to kiss me. How you kiss me, and I pray that you're happy and perfectly healthy. I pray that you're writing your answers. Hold it Can't you leave it alone for a few weeks? 
Dom Frico, and that's the song that I was introduced to him by. It's an older track for him. It's called Haunted by Love. Dom right now is actually, he's from Vancouver, but he's over in Germany right now, I think for the last year at least, plying his craft and kind of building an even bigger fan base. Check out his other project called Folk Roadshow, if you dug what you just heard. Played you a band called Crankshaft, and their song was Dark Side. They are playing the next podcast show on Friday, November 29th at the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe, downtown Vancouver. Toddcast Podcast, Friday nights, volume 28, with the original lineup of Southern Death Threat. What? I never in a million years thought they'd get back together for this, but they did, so thanks, guys. Crankshaft and Closer, eight bucks, come on. You can't beat that. Get it now through myshowpass.com. All right, Todd's Trolls is coming up. That's, of course, you know, it's the stupid, the mean, the hurtful. You see it everywhere. It's the funny things that people say to what you post and what you see online. This week, Hootie and the Blowfish. What? The Summer Military World Games and Rob Zombie's movie, Three from Hell. Share that spotlight. It's powered by The Garage. Games and Geekery, your place to slay trolls, play Warhammer, D&D, and a bunch more out in Maple Ridge. You can find them through garagegames.ca. So Trolls is coming up. First, our final guest of episode 206. This week's entertainment guest is author and model Leslie Berkland. It's brought to you by Pete's Meat in Kitsilano, Vancouver, butcher shop, and an awesome little deli as well quality 
natural, sustainable, hashtag all those. Vancouver's best butcher shop. We're talking landslide here. You can find them through 12th and Arbutus. You're going to know actress and producer Leslie Berkland for a multitude of reasons. Chances are the main one being Big Rich Texas, the gay Christian mingle, and the millionaire matchmaker. She's an author. We talked about her book, Daughters of Dementia. She's a certified mediator, life coach, a TV host, former almost supermodel. We talked about that. Believe me, a very interesting thing came out of that one. She's a strong Trump supporter online. The full conversation is definitely worth finding. Again, through our iTunes and Spotify SoundCloud page, search out Toddcast Podcast. Till then, here's 10 minutes with author, producer, actress, and almost supermodel, Leslie Berkland. The Toddcast Podcast. And how long did it take for you to write Daughters of Dementia? Three weeks. That's it? No way. I did it, um, like, you know, stream of consciousness, and then what I did was I we went back and would just, you know, do my own editing. Right. And sent it to, I self-published, so I just sent it off to... You know, Amazon, and you know, I had my son take a picture of my sister and I. So Three yeah, weeks but the book has been mind. really well. In yeah. fact, one of my events I went to, there was like a hundred people there, so I bought a hundred books, <laughs> not knowing that people would say, "Oh, I'm buying ten. I'm buying twenty. It's like, uh oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. As a, I'm curious, from everything that you're in the Twitter bio. As a little kid growing up, what did you aspire to be? I uh, I grew up poor. We grew up on welfare. Uh, there was just my brother and I. My parents were divorced. And I had that uh, crazy, wackadoo Christian mom that anyone that would listen to her, she would just... Basically, she was like that guy standing on the corner saying, like, either you're going to hell or all you need is Jesus. Right. Okay. So I grew up kind of anti-religious. Uh, because, you know, having to endure having, you know, the crazy mom in the neighborhood. Right. They would just be speaking in tongues randomly. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was kind of my, my world growing up. So my aspirations as a young person was just to get out of the house. You know, I mean, you grow up poor. You, when you graduate, like, from high school... The rich kids got to watch, you know, and, and we got we got nothing, you know. So you know, and get kicked out of the house. I mean, that's just kind of normal. Go get a job, mm. you know, anywhere. So I worked at Taco Bell. Well, how old were you when you started to do the modeling? Uh, I was seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, and I aspired to be a model, but that, that was when I was a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. And a sophomore, you're like fifteen, and I was under five foot, so it was one of those things that was like, you know, I mean, like, I, mean, I might as well have aspired to be an astronaut, you know? I yeah, mean, the, the five foot good. supermodel, not, not, not very often. Yeah, yeah, so I was under five foot, and I just, I, I don't know how else to say it, but I just willed myself to get tall, and within six months, I grew about seven inches, and I looked like completely ridiculous. I looked like a praying mantis, but then I, I fell out, and I was able I able to model. So, right. um, yeah, and modeling. When I say almost, you know, supermodel. Yeah, the, the supermodels are the ones 
that sleep with a photographer. Sorry. I mean, it's just the truth. Mm. You know, and you get to be a supermodel. And if you're someone like me that said, you know, I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to model, but I'm going to, you know, stick to, you know, just my own moral compass just within my own head. It wasn't like necessarily a religious standpoint. Um, you become what's called a bread and butter girl. And what that means is you work as a model. You don't have to have another job to supplement your income. You'll do catalog, you'll be this, but you're certainly not going to be famous. So, mm. you know, when I say almost, I mean, I did do a few covers and I could have gone that direction, but I wasn't going to be, you know, sleeping around. And photographers, one thing about the modeling industry, very much like wine Dean, very similar to that, where if you do actually sleep with them, you will get the job. So, because if you didn't, then no one would sleep with them. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, in the modeling industry, that's just how it was. And you could just pick out all the girls. Wow. You know, they'd go sleep with them. And in the news recently, which I find really interesting, is that Epstein, you know, had a modeling agency that was set up for him. And I actually remember that agency. Really? And these girls would go off to usually a Middle Eastern country, mm-hmm. up for the weekend, come back with $20,000 American dollars. Wow. Yeah, and that was just sort of, you know, normal. And then there was a bread and butter girls like me. My agency actually never really even asked me to do that because they, they just knew well, yeah. that, it, that that wasn't good. You know, I just didn't have that kind of temperament, that personality to me. It was like, just give me some jobs. Right. You know, <laughs> I just want to work. So, so, yeah, so that's kind of... I'm maybe a little self-deprecating. I'm just that, that that was supposed to be funny. I don't know if anyone took takes it as being funny. Almost, you know, <laughs> former almost supermodel. <laughs> yeah, well, but why did you stop modeling? I actually opened up a modeling agency. Oh, because I have always had like a business sense, and I'm always like a practical person. And I thought, okay, you know, I did it. I know enough about the industry, but I always wanted to do the other. Side. That was more, and that was more rewarding. Mm. Even to this day, I have parents because I got I, I first started a children's modeling agency that will still write to me and say, "You thank you so much because of the modeling jobs that you got for my children or the TV commercials you got. They paid for their entire college. Wow. You know, and now this is what they're doing. They're you know running this corporation or that corporation. So you know, I mean, to me that was rewarding. Besides, you know, making money. Yeah. You know, right. at, at the same time. And, and then when I was a little older, I didn't, I did not miss it. I didn't miss it hmm. at all. You know, actually modeling myself. Um, it didn't bother me. I did a few little things. If somebody asked me, you know, will you be in this brochure or do something? One time I did a show for a friend that was in a bar. Hmm. And there were a couple of my associate models. And they said, well, you're scraping the bottom of the modeling bill. And I said, not only that, I'm doing it for free. Ah, you know? Nice. <laughs> it's you. You nice. know, I can do whatever I want. I don't even care what you think of me. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was sort of my, my modeling. And I sold that agency. You know, I ran it for like 10 years. Then I started doing beauty pageants. I ran the national uh, beauty pageant. Hmm. Um, and that was really interesting because beauty pageant that I ran, it was 50% interview. Meaning the gals that I got were, you know, they were pretty, but they had that, that brains. And I can tell you, I had some um, senators that entered it. I had a lot of feminists 
that entered the pageant. It was called Miss U.S. Continental. Hmm. And the, the feminists would enter it thinking that they were going to be the ones that, you know, to call it out. And they loved it. They had a ball. Hmm. They had a ball doing it. So, you know. All right, Leslie, let's let's get to know you a little bit more here and uh, and find out if you're marriage material. <laughs> Oh my God! I can't believe you said that. I, I say that all the time about people. I can't. I can't. This person marriage material. <laughs> oh my God! I love it. Okay, so what was the music like in your house as a kid growing up? Like, which bands were your parents playing? Okay, my parents played the Rolling Stones. Yes, they were a product of the '60s. So when they were younger, like when they were in. Um, in like junior high, which by the way, I went to the same junior high as my parents and my grandparents wow. and their parents wow. <laughs> <laughs> and my husband and my husband's parents. And you know, okay. So it was the Rolling Stones 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Can't go wrong with mm-hmm. that though. So what was your first concert that you attended? I went to see Elton John. I was 12 years old. Wow. He came to Seattle, Washington. That had to have been awesome. It had to blow your mind. Okay, I'm 12. I didn't even know who it was, and I was amazed. It was like, who? Yeah. I, I just couldn't believe that I was seeing somebody that I had heard the music, but I didn't really even like have a face, because I'm just like a little kid, and I was right. just completely, utterly amazed, because it was, it was an incredible concert, and the person who played before was, um, oh gosh, I mean, the band's really popular now. They made a, you know the movie Armageddon? They did the theme song to that. Armageddon. Tyler so-and-so's the Oh, lead singer. Aerosmith. Yeah, Aerosmith played before. Wow, Aerosmith. And I remember being 12 Young. thinking, oh my God, he is so gorgeous. I'm like mad in love. Setting, you know? <laughs> settingthebar.com. That's a huge first show. Mm-hmm. Wow. What are you currently binge watching? Um, Ancient Aliens, um, I've gone through every single one. And now I just started today, this morning at 4 a.m. on episode one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm obsessed with ancient aliens and then last week I was binge watching watching B movies any kind of horror flick thriller that is a B movie it cannot be right. I mean yeah I do like sci-fi the, the, the newer sci-fis but anything that's, that's, that's just ridiculous Entertainment guests of the Toddcast podcast are powered by Pete's Meat, Butchery Shop and Deli, 2817 Arbutus, Kitsilano, Vancouver, and online at Pete's-Meat.com.
The Toddcast Podcast is powered by Milano Coffee, bringing you the finest espresso and coffee concepts in the world online at milanocoffee.ca. A look at this week's keyboard warriors, Todd's Trolls, on the Toddcast Podcast. The next time you're surfing around online, try and steer clear of the bullshit comments. You see to pretty much everything and anything, the trolls are out in full force. No one and nothing is safe. Not even the mighty Hootie and the Blowfish. They've sold over 21 million albums worldwide. Their debut is the 19th best-selling album of all time in the U.S., they released a new album on November 1st. It's called Imperfect Circle. Guys, go away. You weren't cool in the 90s, and now you're just old. Please, tell me who the hell will actually listen to this album. Could music suck a little more at this moment? Nope. Nope. It couldn't. The multi-sports Summer Military World Games in Wuhan, China just wrapped up. They ran from October 18th through the 27th. If the participants aren't wearing blindfolds, why bother? There better be some gunplay, maybe even a kill or two, or seriously, what's the point? The rock bottom of the dumbing down of our society? Getting there. And new to theaters on October 31st, Rob Zombie's new movie, Three From Hell. Pretty sure I personally like his movies better than his music, and I do dig his music. This time around, it's the story of what happened to the Firefly family after the infamous shootout at the end of The Devil's Rejects. Rob Zombie is one of the most overrated content creators on the planet. There, I said it. He should have called it Three Beaten Dead Horses. Dude, this franchise is done. Two words, played out. Todd's Trolls on the Toddcast podcast is powered by The Garage. Games and geekery, your place to play RPGs, board games, and Warhammer and Maple Ridge. Online at garagegames.ca. And I play inside my head Over and over again Imagine that the ocean would swallow me whole Oh, and I, I would follow you down to the coast where you told me to go if I ever missed you like home.
absolutely love her voice. They are called Winter Youth. New song for them, Home, and I'm willing to bet you're going to hear that one this weekend. They are playing a show on Saturday, November 2nd at the Ellis Building. It's their album release party, in fact. Great show. Elle Wolf and Cassidy Waring are going to be opening up the night. Great little show. And you heard a band called Closer. And new song for those guys called Winter Green. They are opening up the night, the festivities next month for the podcast. Friday, November 29th at the Railway Stage and Beer Cafe. It's our volume 28, Southern Death Threat, the original lineup. How incredible is this? Crankshaft and Closer. Believe me, for a ridiculously cheap eight bucks, grab tickets right now through myshowpass.com. Make sure you get in. If you want to risk it, roll the dice. The tickets won't sell out. It's 10 bucks. If you wait for the door, looking forward to next week. Don't know if you caught this. We checked around a little bit of the conversation we had with Alter Bridge guitarist Mark Tremonti is a guest next week. I love some Rod Stewart and and the Jerry, Jerry Rafferty Baker Street was such an epic song to me back then. Um, yeah, same. You know, and then and then you know time rolled around and you had songs like you know Turn Up the Radio and and uh, you know the more rock and songs that started coming out grabbed my attention more and more and then one day i uh one day i got into metallica and it was over you know then, <laughs> then i was just a nice. metal fan joining mark from alter bridge next week you'll know her as the world's fastest woman carmelita jetter joins us and he's the founder of indie week toronto great chat with daryl hers for next week's program of course i want to give a big thanks to this week's guest too big rec singer ian thornley always great to catch up congrats on the new record man it's got to be one of the front runners for album of the year montreal alouette safety boseco lo combo dude thank you so much for being a guest appreciate you taking the time and author leslie berkland thank you for being a guest keep doing what you do on social media you're easily one of our favorites don't stop giving your opinion and screw the haters and that is going to do it for episode 206 my name is todd hancock thank you so much for listening please tell your friends if you like what you heard you can subscribe again through itunes and spotify soundcloud comment and rate the podcast as well search it out again through toddcast podcast huge thanks to all of our wonderful sponsors you can find links to all sponsor websites at toddhancock.ca right at the bottom of the homepage there including our title sponsor maple ridge hyundai if you want to sponsor the podcast, you know you can for as little as 10 bucks a day, right? There's contact info at the homepage. Maybe we'll have a beer, have a coffee, and see what we can do together. Until next week, don't be an asshole. Nobody wants to be around that. Have fun, play hard, and most of all, believe in yourself. The Toddcast Podcast. Keep in touch with Todd through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and bookmark toddhancock.ca. 